travellers, and welcome to the historic 50th edition of our podcast, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder, and I'm delighted to say, quite appropriately, given the historic nature of our half century, we are joined today by Lynn Hughes, who is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Wonderlust magazine. And if you're not familiar with this marvellous uh, publication it's been going since the early 1990s and it's been also going all the way through this dismal year um so we thought who better to invite along for some christmas fun and also a christmas quiz hi there hello lynn well thank you so much for um agreeing to take part in uh the you should have been there premium world beating christmas travel quiz uh, it's very simple. It's you against Simon. Um, I'll be asking the questions and awarding the points and, of course, a prize to the winner. Now, I believe you've both brought along a sound that will help identify you. Lynn, what's your one? I have got my gong from Tibet. <laughs> it sounded a bit um, it sounded a bit flat. Could you try to guess what you? Oh, I don't know. That's better. Yes, very good. I'd like to say I've brought something from from somewhere equally exotic, but in fact, I've got my buzzer from the App Store. That's very good. Uh, By the way, I will be deducting points for any mentions of COVID, Brexit or Crystal Palace's unfortunate thrashing by Liverpool FC yesterday. So anyway, off we go. Can I just butt in here, though, and say I hope that this isn't going to go against me, the fact that I'm a Liverpool supporter and that you two are... (laughs) (laughs) I think it is. I hope so. Well, I am actually a very good loser because I've had to learn to be one over my many years of supporting the Red and Blues. So anyway, um, on to more serious matters. Off we go. Um, uh, Gongs and buzzers ready. And here is round one. It's called Tango Uniform. Uh, This is, of course, a euphemistic abbreviation used, I believe, in the world of aviation when everything goes very badly wrong. What we in South London call peak tong. Anyway, the answers all begin with the letters T-U. Okay, number one, the name of a country that attracted 51 million visitors in 2019, which put it... Very good, Lynn. What do you reckon? Turkey. You're absolutely right. It oh. put it. <laughs> and okay. of course, you get the Christmas uh, reference there. Yes. Okay. I salute um, Lynn and her, her instant lead, but I also thought I thought it was going to be kind of the Ukraine or something, although our excellent Ukrainian <laughs> listeners will. Uh, I thought that was quite a lot of people going to, to Chernobyl to see the uh, site of the well, nuclear meltdown. Um, but also, I also do know that Ukraine is the name of the country, not the Ukraine, which is a bit archaic. Um, well, listen, Simon, yes. I'm sorry I'm going to have to cut you off there for being too clever. And, no, you're uh, overthinking so. it, Simon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Point to Lynn without a doubt. Um, and um, uh, I could just tell you that um, two and a half million Brits went to Turkey in uh, 2019, I suspect mainly for the exchange rate. But there are other attractions, of course, as well. OK, next question. 
don't forget, begins with TU. This is a kind of landscape. Uh, technically, I believe it's called a biome, and you travel across it on the way to... Very good. Uh, already, Lynn, yes. Tundra. Oh, you're absolutely right. Gosh, Ooh. yes. Um, that, gosh, and you didn't let me say on your way to visit Father Christmas or Lapland. Um, and of course, it's where you'd find uh, the Sami people and reindeer. Okay, well, uh, and there's quite a lot of it also in um, uh, northern Siberia, I think you will find, um, which is, I believe, going to be the next Crystal Palace home ground. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Um, that's a, oh, that, I believe that's a, a point deduction, isn't it, for Simon? <laughs> well, I think I think, that's, I, I, I think I'm yet to get off the mark in the manner of a well-known South London football team. <laughs> well, there <laughs> are my, my, minor scores are permissible. Um, uh, right. Uh, next question. This is a UK town twinned with Wiesbaden in uh, Germany, which should. Oh my word, Lynn Tunbridge Wells. Oh, good. You're absolutely brilliant. Um, um, yes, um, I'm going to have to start giving Simon a bit of a leg up here because, um, yeah, OK, I was going to add that the spa, the Barden bit, would give you a clue. Um, and uh, maybe the word disgusted, um, disgusted of Tunbridge Wells, which Simon and I actually fell foul of. Do you remember, Simon? Um, uh, after we did. A- yeah, indefinitely. It was something to do with we were on one of our jaunts to somewhere um, exotic. And uh, I think somebody possibly even in Green Inc. from Tunbridge Wells did write in and say, why are you allowing these two ruffians to roam around the world talking nonsense at the BBC's expense? And I'm afraid I have to agree with him. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to answer it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, OK, the last one in this round. Uh, this is a U.S. city a southern city, and you would go there in order to see cactuses in the nearby Saquaro. Oh, I think Simon had that just uh, about. Tucson, um, of course, featuring in um, Get Back by the Beatles as well. Jojo left his home in Tucson, Arizona. That's um, very good. Oh, uh, and if anybody can remember back to the Breakaway program on Radio 4, which happened, I think, in the 20th century, there was a celebrated day when they, they, they talked, in the, I think, in the same item about Tucson and Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days when we, when we pronounced things how we wanted to rather than uh, how they should have been pronounced. Do you know, do you know what, the, um, do you know what um, Tucson uh, actually um, means well, it's derived anyway from a Native American uh, uh, word. Uh, tequila, uh, lots of tequila. Um, uh, watch out for that cactus. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not giving a bonus for this. It's a bit <laughs> difficult. Village of the Spring at the foot of the Black Mountain. Uh, oh, when it says. It says here, of course. Okay, we're on to round two. Uh, I won't bother you with the scores because it's going to take me too long to add them up. Uh, This next round is called Pyramid Schemes. Um, So it's pyramids, but not Egyptian ones as being too obvious. Do you know, folks, the name of the largest pyramid by volume or size on the planet? Lynn. Um, is it? It's Cholula, isn't it? The Great Pyramid of Cholula in Mexico. That's absolutely right. Do you know where it is near? What the nearest city is that you would go to if you were going to visit it? 
Yes, Simon. Uh, Puebla. I've actually been there. I've also been to the Great Pyramids of Giza. And um, I must say the Cholula one looks a little like a lonely hillock. You would not know that this was um, had the status which Lynn so, um, so, so swiftly um, applied to it. So well done, Lynn. Well, I'm going to give you both a point for that. Um, and do you know what's on top of it? Just out of interest, you probably should do, Simon. If I should do, there. but I've completely forgotten. It's not you, is it? No, I haven't actually been to it. Oh, I've been to lots of pyramids, but I haven't been to that one. It's got a Catholic church on top of it, which is, of course, the sorts of things that the the Spanish conquistadores did. Okay, here's another one. Which country can boast the most, that's the largest number, of ancient pyramids? Gosh, Simon, very quick. Unlucky, Lynn. I'm probably going to say Sudan. Um, only because the obvious answer is Egypt, but I could well be wrong. You're not allowed to say Egypt, obviously. Uh, and uh, uh, Sudan, indeed, is correct. Uh, and it's got more pyramids than Egypt anyway. And with, is that what you were going to say as well? Lynn, it or? is, and I've been to oh, them. And, uh, yeah, ah. they, they, they look really interesting. I've only seen pictures of them and um, lots of them don't seem to have tops on. Is that is that right? Well, some of them haven't because some some crazy, uh, well, he, he called himself an archaeologist, but he wasn't. Uh, he was like a treasure hunter, an Italian treasure hunter. He went around looking for treasure and uh, got the tops taken off some of them, and uh, unfortunately. And then there's been a bit of a, a bad job done of trying to kind of reconstruct them. But there's still so many there, and they also reckon there's just lots that haven't been discovered yet. Lots I'm going to give you both a mark, actually, for that. Uh, there are apparently more than 200 of these. They, they sound to me like boiled eggs that someone's um, taken the top off in order to eat them. Um, uh, and they, they, they date from as far back as the 8th century BC. The Nubian culture was um, responsible for them. That's right, the Black okay. Pharaohs. The Black Pharaohs. Mm, that's what they oh, were called. Right. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, well, thank you. God, I'd, I'd like to give you another mark, but I, I, I'm running out of my supply. So, um, OK, we'll go on to another question. Now, what is the name of the city which boasts the largest unfinished pyramid-shaped building? It's called the... Oh. Simon, yes. Uh, yeah, and, and my um, my special free buzzer app has decided to go off on a, a trip of its own. Um, well, I'm going to say Mexico City. I'm pro- I'm sure I'm wrong, but um, at you least are. I'll be wrong before Lynn. <laughs> you are wrong, Lynn. Do you want me to carry on with the question? It's called the rug. It's called yeah. yeah, yeah. Simon's not allowed to, uh, <laughs> to to answer now. It's called the Rugyong Hotel, and it should have 105 stories, or it's supposed to have, if and when it's finished. North Korea. Absolutely right. It Ooh, is in North well, Korea, yeah. and it's in. I did ask which city, so. Um, which city? Pyongyang. Pyongyang. Yeah, absolutely right. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should get a bonus point if we can name the next nine cities in uh, North Korea in order of size. Um, (laughs) Uh, Well, yes, but um, unfortunately, no, because I have no idea myself, so I won't be able to adjudicate. Let's go on to another round. This is called Light at the End of the Tunnels. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, which Chinese city can boast the longest... Railway, it's a metro uh, tunnel in the world. Is it Guolang? 
No. Uh, it's it's um, it's it's the line three metro. If that uh, if that helps, the <laughs> the line three and it's sixty five and a bit kilometers, Simon. Well, it's either going to be Shanghai or Beijing, so I'll go for Beijing, and I'll probably be wrong. And Lynn, you can guess the other one. Uh, well, it's not either of those. Uh, oh, it goes Guangzhou. from Tian. Hmm? Sorry, uh, Guangzhou. Uh, it's Qing... Very good. Yeah, you're right. What? I'm, I'm going to give you a point oh. for that. It goes from a. I think it's the Tianhei, but I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Tianhei Coach Station to Panyu Square. So that's a very, very long way. Oh. Sixty-five kilometers. Uh, point to Simon. Okay. Now this one is our very own tunnel. Um, Actually, I suppose it's only half hours, really. It's the uh, it's the good old Channel Tunnel, which was voted one of the seven wonders of the modern world uh, in 1994. But do you know the name of the village at the English end of it? Uh, I'm going to give that to Lynn. Cheriton. Very good. Simon, were you going to say that? I, I was. Um but uh, defeated by the intricacies of time. I, yes. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's something that many philosophers have grappled with. And uh, Anyway, okay, last of these questions, the tunnel questions. Um, the longest road tunnel in the world is the Lyadal Tunnel, which is a 24 and a half kilometer long road tunnel in Norway. Now, I want to ask, you two what is unusual about this particular tunnel yeah go um, on, Simon. well i'm going to give you two thoughts none of which i now realize is very unusual at all um one is that it runs under the sea and the other is that it runs through a mountain but now i say both of those i, I realize they are both actually pathetic and um it must be something like i don't know they give you free candy no. floss when you go in <laughs> or that's out. very good shall i uh shall i tell you it's very difficult if you don't actually know it. it's divided <laughs> into sections with uh three caverns uh sort of um, at intermediate points and the caverns are places where you can park and um, uh, sit and have a picnic if you want uh, but the interesting thing about them is that they are suffused with blue and yellow lighting which um, gives the impression of a sunrise which I think is rather nice don't you? Uh, yeah, and is that, forgive me, I've, I've just had a thought, is that the um, Liverpool away <laughs> kit or have I got that wrong? Sorry. <laughs> no, but it means that you can see light at the end of the tunnel, which is something that Palace fans have obvious difficulty with. Um, OK, let's go on to another round. Um, no points at all there. Um, this is called A River Runs Through It, which I hope is obvious. Um now, the first question is, what is the largest city in the world which has no road access? Uh, Simon. Uh, Iquitos on the Amazon in Peru. I think it's about a million well, people. Well, that's very good. I think it's a, a bit less than that, but I won't, uh, won't penalise you for that. Yes, I think it, I forgot. Is it on the left bank of the, uh, of the Amazon? But um, It is. It, yes, it, it is, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, and you can only get there by, well, by um, well, you could swim, I suppose, but by uh, boat or um, or plane. Um, okay, very good, well done. <clears throat> now, next question: The River Danube is the only European river to run through four capital cities. Can you name them? 
Oh, Simon. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, I've got three of them absolutely nailed down. Um, and they are, of course, and I'll, I'll do it going downstream. They are Vienna, Bratislava, and uh, Budapest. And so now we've got to grapple for a fight. I'm going to give Lynn a go at that one because I think you interrupted without knowing the answer. (laughs) There, those three are okay. Yeah, that that is true. But there is another one. Those are the three that jumped to my mind. Ah, okay. Well, it must be. So forgive me. It must be Belgrade. Uh, So, how? Which ones have we got then? I've got um, for you going downstream, uh, Vienna, Bratislava and Budapest, which, um, by the way, you can or could all visit on the same hydrofoil trip. I did that, I think, first in 1988. Yes, I was alive at the time. Um, But I'm also going to add uh, Belgrade. And I must say, in terms of the majesty of the uh, Danube, I think probably uh, Belgrade gets it. Um, so it's all that I couldn't immediately remember it. Okay, well I'll give you a, I'll give you the point then. I've got another question about a French city which is watered by not one but two great rivers. They are the Rhone and the Saone. Uh, and what is the name of the city? I do know, but my buzzer is momentary. Oh, there we are. Uh, it's Lyon, of course. Um, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, you're quite right. Uh, here's the last question in the river runs through it uh, round. The river. Turia used to run through the middle of which European city? Simon. Another one where I'm pretty sure I got the wrong answer, but as far as I know, there's no direct penalty for that. Um, Sorry, did I say penalty? Um, It's uh, Valencia. (laughs) Okay, well, I suppose there wasn't a penalty involved in yesterday's match, so um, you don't lose a point for that. Uh, And you're absolutely right. Valencia. Valencia. Um, just out of interest, do you know what the uh, river has now become or the riverbed? Uh, a, a linear park. Yeah, well, it's actually not so linear. Well, it is linear. It's, it's sort of quite a windy serpentine sort of park. Uh, is that linear? It's a very lovely thing. Have, have you been there, Lynn? It's absolutely beautiful. No, I've never been to Valencia. Oh, oh, oh. it's so lovely to walk um for you up to about 10 kilometers down this um garden park like um thing where the river used to run and you can look up at the most beautiful um bridges which obviously used to bridge the river and now bridge the park very very lovely um anyway enough of that um (laughs) next round is called capital punishment It's obviously about (laughs) capital cities. And uh, the first question is Podgorica, Mm. the capital of um, of, of, uh, Montenegro. But, ah, yeah, but. Yes, okay. Um, Tito grad. I haven't asked the question. Wait, you said but. (laughs) So you said Podgorica as I would pronounce it, capital of Montenegro. And it was obviously the answer was going to be Titograd, the former name. You are a mind reader. Uh, yes, I was going to say Podgori- Podgorica. Is that right? Podgorica. Um, Podgorica, capital of Montenegro, was in fact called uh, Titograd when, of course, it wasn't in um, uh, Montenegro anyway. Well, it was in Krnagora, um, the, uh, the one of the constituent uh, 
republics of Yugoslavia. And indeed, I first went there in about 1985 because it was the only way you could get into Albania. You would fly to Belgrade or Zagreb, then you would fly to uh, Titograd, as it was then. Then you get on a bus and go across the border and have all your um, all, all, all your publications rummaged through. Ah, next question: Belmapan became capital of which country after a hurricane called Hattie? Yes, that's Lynn. Lynn Belize. Belize it is, yes, after Hattie destroyed the original one, which was Belize City, in 1961. I do have a bonus point on offer related to this. What's the name of the reggae artist who uh, wrote a song called uh, Hurricane Hattie? Simon? Well, again, just wild guess. I'm going to say Jimmy Cliff, but I'm sure it's wrong. Very well done, uh, actually. Um, You're you're quite right. Uh, Yeah, it's Jimmy Cliff, yeah. Sorry for the delay. I'm I'm just um, uh, putting the scores into my uh, algorithm, which I, I bought <laughs> secondhand off the government's uh, education department. So it's bound to work. Uh, OK. Yep. Good. Um, right. This country has managed to have four capitals in the last 100 years. Um, I'll name them if I can. Quizlorda or Kizlorda, Almaty. Astana and Nur Sultan. If I may, uh, Kazakhstan. You may. Well, Simon, I think you just about pipped in there, and it is Kazakhstan, um, which I think. Have, you, have either of you been there? I certainly haven't. Yes. Um, I have. And um, uh, Almaty, which is the fantastic Soviet era capital, is a miraculous city because, of course, it's got a fabulous. Um, metro system it's got some ancient medieval parts it's got some really horrible um uh, communist structures and and it's actually very very friendly i've not been to any of the other capitals that you mentioned um but uh i will um uh, yeah and i i must say of the other stands that i've been to i would i would race back to kyrgyzstan i would race back to um, Uzbekistan, I wouldn't wouldn't hurry to get back to Kazakhstan. But I don't know how Lynn is with her stands. Um, I would tend to agree with those, but Kazakhstan, I must admit, I haven't been to the capital, but I have been into the mountains. Um, ah, the Altai yes, Mountains? Yes, uh, yeah, crossed over, and <laughs> um, but was sadly very under-equipped <laughs> for it and uh, found myself somehow in, in a base camp uh, without any of the gear, and then quite flabbergasted as to what this British kind of tourist was doing there, who who didn't have you know ha- didn't have the gear. So not, it wasn't even a case of all the gear and no idea. It was none of the gear and no idea. I think that is the sign, Lynn, of a proper travel editor and um, British explorer, uh, and you deserve a bonus point for it. Uh, so here we go with the next round, which is called Green Travel. Ah. Um, Yes. What country's current flag has the most green in it? Hmm. Bit of a guess. Is it Saudi? You're absolutely right. That's absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Saudi Arabia. Well done, Lynn. Um, The only green one I can think of. (laughs) uh, Saudi, of course, um, uh, now on the travel corridor list uh, with a very, very easy and accessible online visa. But, of course, um, an absolutely terrible human rights record. 
Well, yes, thank you um, indeed. Um, yeah, I am actually supposed to be going to Saudi in early February. Well, I, I hope you manage to get there and, and I'm sure you will respect the flag, which is 91.6% green, um, as distinct from Turkmenistan, 83.5%, Bangladesh, 79%, and Zambia, 74.6%. Okay, next question. Uh, this city has been awarded the accolade of Greenest City 2021 by the EU, which you could think of as jumping the gun. It's called LATI, L-A-H-T-I. What country is it in? I, I, I'm going to guess Finland, but only because it sounds like a Finnish, Finnish construction. It might be in Estonia. Oh, it is Finland. Um, I'm going to say well done. Uh, I'm going to give the most difficult bonus point yet for um, guessing what the main attraction of Lati is, other than its um, green credentials. Santa Claus? No. Lynn, do you want to guess? <laughs> It's 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 not immediately obvious. No idea. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. It's a motor motorcycle museum. Ah, uh, uh, was that the sound of you adding that to your list of must visit places for twenty twenty one? Maybe not. Maybe not. <clears throat> maybe not. No. Um. Um. Okay. Um. This next uh, question is about Graham Greene. Um, in 1936, the great writer um, wrote a travel book called Journey Without Maps. Uh, do you know which country he was traveling to? Or around, rather? Oh. Uh, it's it's uh, quite difficult, this one. It begins with L. Liberia. Oh, sorry, Liberia. Very, very good. Very good. Uh, yep, yeah, yeah, no, I'll give you that, even though um, the... Uh, yeah, your gong, um, my gong, my gong was delayed. For a moment. I missed it. At least you were very much in the right area. I, I, I was um, uh, toying with either El Salvador, which sort of begins with L, um, or <laughs> Venezuela, which definitely doesn't. Um, right. OK, Simon, I think you probably have to take off another point for being so far off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK. Um, uh Yes, uh, I, I did have a bonus um, point, but I can't actually answer it really. But this was the question. How much whiskey did he drink while he was on his one month trip? <laughs> Enough. Um, any, <laughs> I, I, quite a lot, I think. is <laughs> Quite a lot. Quite a lot. Anyway, um, uh, I've got one other question here, which is what's the capital of Greenland? Greenland. Yes, Lynn. Nuke. Very good. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, next round. Home on the range, which, of course, is about mountains. Uh, in which mountain range would you find Europe's highest peak? Uh, obviously, it's one of these things where people will endlessly argue about it. I'm going to say the, the mountains of yeah. the Caucasus. You're absolutely right. Uh, do you know what the mountain is called? Elbrus, yes, it is. but that's only because I've spent too long talking to people who get very exercised about doing the seven summits, uh, highest points in each of the continents around the world. And of course, they have great long arguments, as Lynn will testify before she tells us the highest mention, uh, the highest mountain in what I would call proper Europe. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right, Simon. I think it's Elbrus. 
Okay. Oh, well, it's very good. It's uh, 18,510 feet high or 5,642 meters, unless it's been remeasured um, recently, as has Everest. But uh, that's what I've got here anyway. Um, or Lynn's uh, archaeologist has taken the top off. <laughs> <laughs> the Mavitalian. Oh, dear. Okay. Um what is the world's highest freestanding mountain? Um, yeah. Kilimanjaro? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the highest standalone mountain. Uh, 19,340 feet, uh, 5,895 metres. And of course, it's in Tanzania. Uh, can, can I try for a, a, a non, non-awarded non uh, bonus point you, you here, which is that uh, the longest view in the world that you can have as a human being is from the top of Kilimanjaro to the top of Mount Kenya or vice versa. On a clear day, of course. <laughs> they all are. Yes. And, I and whether it's dark. Yeah. Bonus point, of course, if the question had been from the centre of the earth, it would have been Chimborazo in Ecuador. That is a great volcanic mountain, and it is absolutely a bonus point for Lynn. Um, uh, which takes us on to what is the longest continuous mountain range in the world? Andes. Yes, Lynn. You're absolutely right, which, of course, includes your previous bonus point answer of Chimborazo, if I'm right. Um, yeah. Uh, un- under the rules, I understand that means that, that both points have to be subtracted. Mornington Crescent. <laughs> uh, on, according to your rules, Crystal Palace would have got three <laughs> points from the game yesterday, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yes, indeed. Andy's um, forming a continuous highland along the western edge of South America. It's 7,000 kilometres, 4,350 miles long, which is a pretty amazing isn't it uh has an average height of about four thousand meters uh, and it goes through seven south american countries but i'm not going to give you a bonus for that because uh, it's too easy venezuela colombia ecuador peru bolivia chile and argentina and i think simon you've actually climbed up one of these uh high mm. mountains haven't you yes this is um aconcagua do i get a, a bonus point for reaching the top i didn't think so no um <laughs> yes which is interesting because it is the one mountain where normal people who are not mountaineers, because it's basically just one long plod to the top, nothing that you can fall off if you go the uh, the standard approved rate uh, way. Um, it's You can be the highest person on the planet because you only climb it in December or January. And of course, it's the highest peak outside the Himalayas. And at that time of year, nobody is climbing the high peaks in the Himalayas. So it's an odd feeling thinking, um, oh, gosh, I, I seem to be the highest person on earth. There we are. And then you climb down again, which is, by the way, quicker. That is a very interesting piece of information and could possibly form part of the even more difficult you should have been there <laughs> travel <laughs> quiz. Um, okay, another round. So good, they named it twice. The first one is an island, a jewel of the South Seas in French Polyp. Yes, Lynn. Bora Bora. Bora Bora, that's right. I, I've I've never been there. I gather it's a luxurious holiday destination. Yeah, I haven't been there either. Have you, Simon? 
Now, the closest I've been is Papite, which is the capital of Tahiti, and I thought looked like a slightly down market version of Boulogne, <laughs> if I may. Um, uh, French, yeah, it is, I think, technically part of France, so it's as as French as, as, as Boulogne, indeed. Um, but some say Bora Bora is more exotic, I, but having not been there, I cannot say. <laughs> All right, next question. One of the world's great spa towns. It's European. Yes, Lynn. I never know to say Baden-Baden or Baden-Baden. I think Baden-Baden, and I think you're absolutely right. And um, uh, yes, before I even mention Germany. um, Yes, indeed. uh, I have been there, and it it is um, very nice. And um, yes, Simon. Trying for a bonus point. Um, uh, 2006. (laughs) Well, no, it was uh, 1980s when I was making no. Oh no, that that that's the bo- my, my bonus point was for the bonus question you failed to ask, which was um, in what year did England make it its World Cup? Hub? Actually, you're going to lose uh, yet another point because I did <laughs> I did have a bonus question, um, but it wasn't that. Baden Baden is 50 kilometers away from which important French city? Simon, Strasbourg. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. And uh, the reason I happen to know that is because I have, um, right, Baden-Baden Airport, which is in Baden-Baden, is actually called Karlsruhe Baden Airport. I've flown there twice on Ryanair when I have been diverted. The first time to Basel, which is in a different country, Switzerland, and the second time to Strasbourg, which is also in a different country, France. But in Ryanair's world, I guess both of them count as (laughs) Baden-Baden. Another question. This city in West Bengal has given its name to a rather unpleasant piece of military ordnance. What is it called? Simon. I I'm hereby say that I'm going to give the wrong answer, but it's the only military ordinance I can think of. Ak, ak. Well, nicely done, but wrong. Um, so, Lynn, it's your go, actually. Oh, um, I'm going to um, give you a little help. Simon has jumped the gun, ha ha, and therefore doesn't <laughs> uh, get another go. Um, this is an expanding bullet, um, which was produced uh, by the British in the... Uh, uh, arsenal near, uh, near Calcutta, Kolkata, India, um, uh-huh. and was invented by Captain Neville Bertie Clay in the 19th century. Uh, it begins with a D. Well, two Ds, actually. D-U, D-U. Um, if you see what I mean. Dum-dum? You're absolutely right. Well done. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, well done. Well, there yeah. you go. I've got to set that one up for any future pub quizzes. A very short round, this one. Bottoms up, festive cheer. Uh, where is the world's mm. highest vineyard? Uh, pure guess. I'm going to say Mexico. No. Lynn, do you want to have a go? It has been mentioned before this country. Oh. Uh, if that helps. Thinking of the Andes. Argentina. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, I, do you know, I almost went to this vineyard, but... Um, it's it's in a place called Molinos, um, n- not that far from uh, the lovely city of Salta. Yeah, Salta, uh, in, beautiful, in, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. Um, the vineyard itself is over 3,000 metres high uh, and uh, you get some uh, very nice Torontes, which is an absolutely lovely white wine. Mm. Um, I'm sure the that's reason I didn't... Because that is the region you get Torontes from, yes. 
Yeah, it is. It is very tasty and quite hard to get uh, over here. Uh, and it was very hard to get to because um, we were uh, traveling down the famous RN40, the uh, the often dirt road, which goes from one end to the other of Argentina and had a puncture. And this was a moderately catastrophic event and meant we couldn't get to the world's highest vineyard. So that's sad, isn't it? Um, <laughs> anyway, here is, um, okay, no, another I have question. I a bonus point for having been on the train to the clouds near Salta, and that's where I had the best glass of Torontes I've ever had. Uh, you certainly can. That's and now you can get another bonus point if you can describe the flavour. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very full-bodied white, and uh, yes, and and so goes well with all types of food because it is so full-bodied. And of course, one of the reasons why they do serve it on the train to the clouds not only because it's a local wine, but because. Normally, as one knows, as one goes to a, a higher elevation, you lose some of your taste buds. But, of course, the wine actually um, cuts through that, the Torontes. And so in your lunch pack, you get a little half bottle of it. Oh, what a wonderful idea. And the, the train to the clouds goes way up high, doesn't it? I mean, much higher than 3,000 metres. Yeah, you go right up to the high Altiplano, and it's one of the great engineering feats of the Gosh. world. I, I can't. I don't know how many bonus points to give you for that, but, but um, uh, quite a lot. Um, Weihnachtspunsch is um, a German and particularly Viennese Christmas drink, uh, which includes rum or brandy, spices, and what unusual ingredient? Weihnachtspunsch. It's it's very nice. I have actually drunk quite a lot of it in Vienna, where um, it, it can be very cold around Christmas. Have a get. Does it alliterate? I mean, could you could say, say that's very good, but not Vienna at all. Or... Um, no, no, no. Uh, it's yeah. Um, uh, yeah t the clue was th uh, yes. Here's a clue. Um, it goes down very well. Uh, of a cold afternoon, round about four o'clock. Are we going to say lemsip, which I understand is, is an increasingly popular ingredient of no. wine in these <laughs> difficult times? <laughs> I'm, I'm um, thinking about is it tea? Tea. Is it tea. You're absolutely right. Yes, that's right. So, <laughs> rum or brandy, spices, and tea. Oh, well uh, it, 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 um, I was really quite surprised when I. Uh, 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 sampled this stuff and it really is very nice um, I'm not sure it would be so nice without the rum or brandy but anyway Lynn definitely uh, uh, wins that one uh, and now we're on to our last our last round I'm sorry to say this one um... what was that noise I think that was the, 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 the listener shedding a tear <laughs> if I'm not mistaken uh, yes. um, this round Merry Isthmus and a happy new year. <laughs> ah, well, very nice. Okay, so I should be able to try and recover what I imagine is quite a lot of lost ground. Uh, I'm not sure. The algorithm hasn't actually uh, come up with the uh, goods for a while, but uh, here we go. Um, Merry Isthmus. Get it right. Before the Panama Canal, there was a plan to dig a canal. Simon. Nicaragua. No, across an, <laughs> another isthmus in the region. I'm not going to give you the Nicaraguan isthmus because it's not really the an isthmus. This one is known as ah, an isthmus. Yeah. It's that old one in Mexico. 
You're quite right. Um, um, and I can't remember what it's called, but it, it, it's, it's a bizarre one, which goes from the Caribbean sort of south to uh, uh, the Pacific. Um, and yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, um, it's, it's got a, I, an odd one. Well, it's got a lovely name. It's called Tehuantepec. Tehuantepec, uh, 200 kilometers, which makes you think, how on earth did anybody think of <laughs> digging a canal across uh, such a, 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 a lengthy um, stretch of countryside? But uh, it is relatively flat there, I suppose. Uh, the Isthmus of Suez divides Africa and Asia, but which two seas does it bridge? Yeah, Lynn. The Mediterranean and the Red Sea. Absolutely right. Well done. Were you going to say that as well, Simon? I was, but more yeah. slowly. Yeah, the Med <laughs> and the Red. Yeah, and it's seventy-five kilometres across that particular isthmus. So you know, quite a, quite a sort of substantial isthmus. Um, uh, and just just while you're there, Port Said, which is the Med end, is actually a fascinating city and i urge you if you are in the region to go along to it and um uh, they've got a wonderful canal side walk that's nice something to put in the next issue of wanderlust okay this is the last question oh. i'm afraid um in which james bond film did the fictional republic of isthmus play an important role are you able to throw in any other location we would have seen in the same film they tend to range around the world, as you know. Well, certainly, um, certainly London. Um, I can't really remember the rest of it. Um, uh, I can tell you that it's the 16th uh, film uh, in the franchise. Uh, and I can tell you that it got very mixed reviews. Yeah, Lynn. Licence to Kill. You're quite right. Fantastic. Gosh, good, good, yeah. Good, good, good. Ah, yeah. Uh, so a cracking point there. Hilary Mantel called it very loud. <laughs> And some other people questioned the choice of <laughs> Timothy Dalton as um, 007. Um, although I thought he was quite good in general. Well, obviously, it's now time for the results. And amazingly, my algorithm has started working. Uh, and it says that it is a, it's a tie. That, that's extraordinary. Um, I, I do fear, though, that I should concede to Lynn because I'm technically at home. She's away. And um, as we know, away goals count double. And I think that makes it Palace nil, Liverpool 14. Uh, and I think that actually means you are deducted another point. I'd like to make it more. Um, and therefore, Lynn has absolutely won um, oh, fair and square. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much. But before I, I accept this, in, this incredible prize, I, I would love to know what it is. I mean, is it a prize I, I do actually want, whether I, I take it myself or share it with Simon? Well, you might or might not like it. Um, it is an all-expenses-paid weekend mm. in the Rugyong Hotel in Pyongyang uh, in oh. the presidential suite, which I expect is called the Kim Jong-un, um, and it's probably on the 105th floor uh, if and when it's, um, it's built. And that's the catch, because I'm afraid you can't actually um, <laughs> take up your prize until the hotel is completed. That, that is a tremendous prize, and uh, and uh, yes, as soon as I get out of tier four, <laughs> I, will, I will look to uh, see in which year uh, the hotel is likely to be completed and, and plan my trip. Well, next week I think we're going to be talking, um, Simon, about 
what we hope are happier travel days for the year 2021. So looking forward to travel prospects next year. Um, and until then, uh, from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye and happy Christmas. Goodbye.